gorgeous Georgian goes, are you ready? Junkie Nation, are you ready? Well, let's get it on. From the fight capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada, this is MMA Junkie Radio. We roll it! What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes reporting for duty here on a Wednesday night for your Thursday delivery. Excited to talk to you for the next hour or so. Mostly it's going to be UFC on ABC3 and I guess the latest news in the sport of mixed martial arts. So, yeah, I mean, Jake Paul, Nate Diaz, Conor McGregor. Why did I start with a non-MMA guy? I don't know. Somebody stun gunned me. Ortega, Lauren Murphy, all those names will be discussed. We are excited about being on ABC. I think that's tremendous. I mean, I think it's going to be a huge, huge audience. But a quick reminder on that, 12 Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. Those are your prelims this Saturday. All right, don't say nobody told you. Don't get caught with your pants down. We're giving you the info right here. 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 p.m. Pacific for the main card. So literally, this thing will be over around 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific, around the time that many of us actually start watching uh, prelims for pay-per-views. So I don't want anyone to get uh, to miss out on this because it's a whole different ball game here, and it is on ABC, and I think that's pretty damn cool. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about our leans, our bets, the news, all of it. When we come back, it's MMA Junkie Radio. Again, recording on a Wednesday night for your Thursday, July 14th delivery. thought the pre-fight press conference was just interesting goes a lot of revelations from fighters kind of keeping it honest being real they still have to throw their little jabs in mostly at the fans this time not as much at the media fans or media man we get lumped together Mm -hmm. but uh you know ortega was talking about i really like what ortega had to say me too said that he was this close, you know, I'm holding my fingers, what, a quarter of an inch apart, this close to being a world champ, said his bread and butter was BJJ, and when he had Volkanovski, he thought that was it, Volkanovski got out of it, he said it was due to the fact that he was sharpening up his other tools, maybe didn't keep his Brazilian jiu-jitsu as sharp, wanted to go to his basics, you know, and that's cool, I mean, if that's kind of what happened, I guess that's kind of what happened, who knows, um, not every submission, uh, what I've learned is not every submission, I guess, is see ya, nice knowing ya. Like, I've seen some really, really high-level jujitsu guys have somebody's back with, like, four minutes and 30 seconds left in a round or be on top in a dominant position. Not not everything's a lock. And I'm sure a lot of them train BJJ every day. But still, he was pretty forthcoming. And... He says he's ready to go. What I did like was how he wanted to take Volkanovsky's mentality of digging deep and apply that to his new pursuit of being a world champion. What did you think of uh, T-City goes and his honesty? I liked everything he said. I, I kind of tried to think of like maybe what the equivalent is in another sport. And all I can think of is like running back a kickoff 
thinking nobody's in sight, and then at the end, somebody just kind of clipping your ankle and you fall at the one. Because he he felt like he had that submission, man. He said he was celebrating and everything. Um, but I love that he was honest enough to go back and talk about it and then kind of give you a report card as far as, like, this is the effect it had on me. I think that's great. And, um, you know, picking that main event, or sorry, picking that fight has been really, really, really tough. Brian Ortega fights for me. I never get him right. He's kind of like my Donald Cowboy Cerrone. Um, but I think in the end, I ended up going with him. Yeah. Um, you tell me. The title of the headline on Junkie is a reality check for me. And that's Ortega talking about neglecting BJJ and all that stuff, right? I want you to give me a reality check. He said at one point that he knows he came close to being a champion. And he says, quote, I'd be lying to you if I didn't for the last couple months and every fan reminding you, yo, you almost became a champ. He says, I was like, quote, thanks, you fucking dick. You don't think I sit here and think about it? Trust me, I know I've got to live with my fucking self. And but luckily. After that, he said, there's a part of me that's like, bro, stop being a bitch. He said that. Those were his words. Go in there, mm-hmm. make adjustments. I I, I'm, I, say I'm media, and I am, but I'm also a fan. But what I've noticed, goes is that fighters are the worst at communicating about fans in general. And you don't know how many times goes. I've heard other fighters. And that's why I know this has happened to Ortega. There's been other fighters that have told him, bro, I thought you had him. Not just fans. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, it's easier to just bag on the fans. The fans, if anything, are just trying to pick you up and tell you just how close you are so you don't get down on yourself and, and you know give up on the sport or give up on yourself. Now, are some fans a little bit like, careless or callous in the way they communicate perhaps but this whole thing thing the fans the fans fans, it's like bitch i've heard other fighters and probably even ortega walk up to others and say the same damn thing you know what i mean so (laughs) stop singling out the the poor fans like (laughs) i don't know i don't know why that bothers me maybe i'm getting older what so do i need a reality check or what I'm gonna, be grumpy, I'm gonna be grumpy on today's episode, so that's a why little maybe it. in the sense that I think what he's getting at is, you know, you run into fans every day, right? Wherever you go, and it is a stupid comment. If you're a fan and you say something like that, it's a dumb comment. Don't ever tell a fighter, "Oh, you lost me money. I had money on you." They don't give True. a shit. Okay, there are certain comments that are just kind of dumb, and normal people, when you hear it once or twice, you kind of let it go, but when you get it a lot they kind of uh, have their go-to responses, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. So I understand what Brian's saying. Um, I get what you're saying, too. Fighters probably have said it, but the right. amount of fighters that say it compared to the amount of fans that you run into, it's probably pretty lopsided, so I think that's why he goes with fans. Okay. Um, but if I were a fighter, I would probably have that feeling but there'd be something inside me that says, ah, I just can't say that. No, mm-hmm. that's why I get paid this money. That's why I'm on TV. That's why, you know, so I think that's, and I, uh, 
I read what he said. I didn't hear what he said, so the context might be different. I'm going to throw junky names out there just in random to prove my point, I guess, or just not. No, I guess to support my point. I'm not trying to prove I'm right or wrong. Let's say Joe from Odessa comes up to Brian and and Brian signing his hat or his poster or whatever, and he goes, hey, man, how you doing? Get back in there. You were this close. You had him, blah, blah, blah. Then the next guy's Aaron from Texas. Then the next guy's Mike from Humboldt. They don't know what the fuck the guy in front of them just said. I mean, unless they were that close and eavesdropping, they don't mm-hmm. know that the last guy just said something like that. You know what I mean? So each individual, each stop, each time you walk, you see a fan, it's it's its own interaction. You know what I yeah. mean? And so it's almost like you have to reset. And that's part of being a celebrity. You have to reset each time. Now, let's say Joe from Odessa walks up and goes, dude. You're my favorite fighter. You're like the best out there, man. You're number one. You're going to be a champ one day. And then the next guy is Aaron from Texas, and then he says something similar. By the time Mike from Humble walks up, do you think Ortega goes, geez, I'm tired of hearing that? No, because it's positive, right? The negative right. stuff, yeah, it sucks, but the positive stuff, you'll hear that all day. You have no problem with it. Well, <laughs> unfortunately, yeah, the negative stuff, I guess, hurts, but Mike didn't know that Aaron and Joe had had told Brian that. And you and I have had like some interaction in, in no way are we considering ourselves as popular as Brian Ortega or any of these fighters, or I don't even like to use the word celebrity or anything even close to that. But we have had times where we are at, at military bases and we've had to do signings and we're included. And I try and give my best to every single interaction. Um, and I, and I restart with each person, you know, like, where are you from? Uh, what unit are you in? You know, whether it's military or Air Force or, or, sorry, Army or Air Force or whatever. I just don't think it's that hard for fighters who have probably have ta- a thousand more times practice at this. Um, and, yeah, you know, like if, say, if someone does come and go, bro, you fucking choked. That's different. You know what I mean? But, um it's these dumb fighters that that say the fa- the judges don't know what the fuck they're talking about, dude. All you have to do is go on a fighter's Instagram or Twitter, and you'll see a score that they gave that's different from everyone else's. Right. So, so where are you in the position just because you fought to call that judge dumb when you're kind of t- turning in a score that most MMA people are disagreeing with you too? It can be found. All of us are just. All of us are just as susceptible as all that. Why can't other people see that about about themselves? I think it's just different, man. Like, for starters, it's just a dumb thing to say. Like, what do you think that, as a fan, if you're going, just be a fucking fan. Hey, man, can I get a picture? You know, that that sort of thing. Can I, but to sit there and try and, like, motivate a fight, like, bro, he's got family. He's got teammates. He's got people handle that. You ain't going to tell him anything that's going to stand out. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of like a dumb thing to say. So I, I kind of get it. Like, if we're at a military tour and we sign 200 autographs, but 100 of them tell us, hey, you know, there's a show that, that's more popular than yours. How come you're not like that one? Like, yeah, eventually maybe that 75th guy might get a, I mean, what the fuck? Like, don't you just want, here, here's your damn picture, here, whatever, like. I mean, you're only human. I, I think the difference, though, here and the, what it allows him to do that is, okay, if I'm Kanye West and I piss off a fan, maybe that fan never buys my album again. 
Maybe that fan never goes to one of my concerts. But if I'm I'm Brian Ortega and I piss off a fan, is he not going to go to my fight? There's 12 other fights. He might not care. He might root for me to get knocked out, but he's still going to put money in my pocket. That's the way the UFC's built. And I think fighters know that. You know, either way, he's still going to the event. It's not like he's not going to go to the event. He's still going to put money in my pockets. I think that's what it comes down to. Would you go the next time you do a huge media tour or whatever and tell the story about how you were a jerk to a, a military person, although? No. See, I think that's the difference is if Brian is putting himself out there in a position, and there's not many people ready to tap that fist because I think we're all like that. We're all, not we're all, but a lot of people are Brian Ortega and don't react that way. And a lot of fans aren't that way, but you, you keep people just keep wallowing in the negativity, I guess is another point I'm trying to make. How about you just share a good story about a fan that was really, really, it's always the negative, you know what I mean? And I think it's always the negative to, to lift you. People don't need that negativity to lift you. You can get it, from, you can get that from positivity and shout out your fans, you know, and, and shout out MMA fans. I don't know. There's just imagine, a lot of negativity, man. That, that I have to imagine these guys go into a situation. They're human like us. And they're probably going up there with anxiety because they know, especially in Brian Ortega's case, the last time he was in front of people, things didn't go well for him. And he knows people are going to bring it up and people are going to ask him the same dumb questions in different ways. But it's basically going to focus around your biggest failure, what keeps you up at night. So, yeah, maybe they're not as sharp as they should be. Um, I get it to a certain extent, man. But but you're right. You know, there are certain ways that you can answer questions and, and all that. But you're dealing with people. This is just my personal belief. They don't get told the truth very often. When they do, it's online. But people in front of them just want to fucking fist bump them all day and tell them how great they are and uh, mooch off of them. So I think they just live in this weird world where they're not used to getting the truth from people. So when they finally do, they flip the fuck out. How about Nate Diaz does this interview uh, with Ariel Hawani? Mm -hmm. This guy doesn't think Habib belongs in the UFC Hall of Fame. And I like the guy. He's a West Coast gangster. We've covered him for over 15 years. But boy, did that make zero sense. Habib is undefeated, and I think Habib has 18 finishes. Nate has 20 wins. Habib has two less finishes than Nate has wins. Habib has beaten two guys that Nate's lost to, including one Conor McGregor. Habib's just never lost. Nate's lost 13 times. Habib's barely even lost rounds. Like, at some point, you got to say, fuck, man. We mixed it up one time. At Planet Hollywood, we knock some of theirs out. They knock some of ours out, but that's it's his night. He he accomplished what a lot of people want to accomplish, and uh, I I just got to give him his. You know, like he Nate was baffled that Habib is in the Hall of Fame. I mean, that's just such a a Diaz thing to say and do, right? None of it made any sense. I mean, even even if you. Even if you did a secret ballot, I still think maybe two people would say he doesn't, and the rest of the roster would say he is. Like, 
it's such a ridiculous point to make. Right. And I don't think the the so I think Nate's already arrived. I thought he was a superstar when Dana White didn't. So really, he doesn't have to be controversial anymore. Him and his brother have arrived, saying the weird stuff that they say. You know, their takes that are a little bit bizarre. The gangsters that they, um, I you know, like I I just think there's a moment in time where at, at some point you're a man, mature. I think he's got a kid or maybe even two. Um, highly successful. <laughs> I just couldn't understand that take that he didn't think Habib deserved to be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, it's the weirdest thing, man. I'll never understand how those guys are or why they say the things they say, but people gravitate to him. I've gravitated to him before, but yeah, to an extent, you know. Mm-hmm. Lauren Murphy said that she'll never go into a fight less than 100 percent. i i don't think she means like a boo-boo on her toe or anything like that what she had was way more serious but she said that going into the valentina fight she had something that i had never heard of uh, but basically it was an infection uh it's in the article that was that uh, mma junkie put out in her intestines yeah i tried to read it earlier uh clostridial right Dry dioides difficile. So C. diff is what they called it for short, a bacterial infection in the large intestine. And she said it really, really um, hampered her preparations for Valentina Shashenko, but she thought this is my chance. I'm going to go out there. I'm going to do it. But that is what uh, actually got her to, you know, use her head when her and Misha Tate were supposed to fight. I think it was before UFC 276 in early July. She said, no, I can't do it because she had had a recent COVID experience. She just didn't feel herself. So that's why she was putting it out there, why the fight's been delayed. Now they're on ABC3, and that's good. But she says she feels strong and ready to go. Um, Yeah, I mean, I, I guess it's an excuse, but she didn't really make it too much of an excuse that I think people can harp on. Um, I, you know, Valentina won and that's it. And we don't know if Valentina maybe went in there dinged up and just hasn't said it, but I'm sure all this stems from, Hey, why the delay from a few, from a month ago and her tying it into a story about her learning a lesson only having to do with the biggest moment of her life. I can accept that. I don't blame her. Um, you know, that's a scary thing. We've heard of even like fighters that still have their wisdom teeth. You know, those types of infections slowing you down. If you've ever had any type of infection, basically all the energy that you would use in a fight or in a game, uh, not all of it, but a little piece of it, your body is fractioning it off to fight that infection. So I totally get why she did that, especially coming off of that. I think that's smart. I think I wish more fighters would do that, but they don't all, they're not all in the situation where they can do that. But more power to her for for realizing that and doing that. Yeah, I I think I left out one other thing. We're gonna go back to Nate Diaz. He he wants to fight Jake Paul. You know what was funny was at the end he goes, you know, I can't hate on the UFC. I got some love for the UFC. He had just bashed him for like a whole hour, and then he kind of finished like, man, you know, I I love the UFC. I cheer for him. What he did say though was interesting, and that was. Um, he could see himself signing for the UFC, 
but then immediately regretting that he did it. So I guess at that moment in time, maybe some money could make him happy enough that he realizes that ah, this is a good decision. But then at the same time, I guess he just doesn't want to be throttled. Like you can only fight for the UFC, which means he wants to expand his horizons and fight somewhere else, which maybe answers the question. If the UFC just paid you more money to fight MMA than to fight Jake Paul, then would you stay? But I, I just think he, he might be kind of like Cowboy Cerrone. It's just not fun anymore. Yeah, there's some money to be made, but it's just not fun anymore. Who knows? That's kind of a little bit of what I gathered from it. Uh, but then, like I say, he did have some love for the UFC on the way out. So maybe that was a gangster showing how there's a script, and he revealed a little bit to us right then and there. I understand what he means. It's not that long that things like Triller have been around, even BKFC, right? So I could see him signing a contract, and then you never know. The next big thing might come out, and then he goes, fuck, I could have done that. But now I can't because I signed this contract. So I totally get that. Mm. Um, I also get the UFC side of it. I get what they're trying to do. They are a business. People forget that this is a business. And what they're doing are business tactics right now. I get it, dude. I really do. Um, you know, it sucks that, that you have to get to that point. And and you really wouldn't want your other fighters to to look at something. Like they should look at that and go, man, they're willing to do that to Nate. They, they might do that to me. Mm-hmm. But the problem is they have so much power over their fighters that they can't really fight back. But I get why they're doing it. Yeah. Maybe fighters need to just fight one-fight deals or sign one-fight deals. They won't give them the security that they want, but... If they if they've reached a certain level of popularity, I think they'll fight even coming off a loss. It just they would have to renegotiate after each single fight. Kind of a little bit of what boxing does with a lot of their stars. It's fight for fight. Some early uh, success stories in boxing come from you know them being tied down to promotion for a certain amount of fights. I think each person is negotiated differently, but you're locked into having to fight four times for you know a top rank or something like that. Right. Um, you know, maybe that would work. Now, would the UFC do that? I don't know. But John Dodson had a story where he was being interviewed in regards to BKFC. But during that time, he came out and said, hey, look, I was surprised with the UFC when they released me because I had just signed a new contract. And after one fight that I lost, boom, I was gone. He had lost to Marab Davilishvili in August of 2020. So he kind of revealed that here a couple of years later. And we've often said that, yeah, you can get a new four fight contract, but they can always cut you off a loss. There's language in there that I don't believe prevents them from cutting you after a win. There's fighters that have not come back after a win, but it's only because the contract was done. So they, they may not have re-signed you, but if you have a, let's say a four fight contract and you won, let's say everyone booed you in the arena, but you won, they can't cut you. As long as you win, they can't cut you as long as you haven't reached the end of your contract. So if you're a boring fighter, you may want to renegotiate after fight number three, before you even get into fight number four and test your free agency because they will not resign you. Now, one interesting thing he said that there goes was it could just be that they can pay a lot of young fighters, probably what they pay me, which because John Dodson become a tenured fighter, he fought for a title. So he probably made some decent coin and it could have just been a financial decision. Uh, I know I threw a lot your way to unpack, but what, what are your thoughts? I sat in on that. I was the one recording that interview. And it was interesting, you know, like you would think when you sign your contract, a new contract, 
that uh, you would feel almost a sense of security. But yeah, I mean, again, it's a business and I do understand uh, the UFC to a certain extent. But yeah, just to kind of give a little bit of a cold answer the way they did, um, that, that sucks, man. It really does. Like, I don't understand why more fight. Like, I hope a lot of fighters watch that interview so that they know, hey, man, like, Sometimes you help them out, and that's great, and they'll do good things for you. But they are not going to lose any sleep over letting you go. You know, like it, it's all about making money for them. And hopefully, John Dodson now, um, you know, in the BKFC world, can can make a little bit more money and and feel a little different. I know some fighters that have gone over there have loved it, uh, but you only have so much time in that type of a sport, right? It's not like you're going to sit there and be twenty and zero or something like that, like. Man, look at a guy like uh, Luis Palomino. I mean, I think he's got quite a few fights under his belt. And he's doing great. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know how long you can do that. Your hands, your face, just take a hell of a beating. The UFC can't say it enough about them. They did a good job of making their show the most important. At th- those three letters, the most important asset that they have. Mm-hmm. Whoever happens to be on the card, okay, cool, you know, but. For the most part, the UFC shows up. It's gonna be a good show. It's hard for the UFC not to be a good show, and it doesn't want fighter. Doesn't matter what fighters are there. It just helps to say, "Oh, I was at the one where, you know, No Garrett was, or Shogun, or Tito, or Chuck." It brings something to the fan in terms of a satisfaction for what they paid out. But in reality, a fan can pay five hundred bucks and go to Long Island this weekend, have a decent seat. And they'll probably walk out of there going, fuck, man, that shit was awesome. I saw some vicious KOs, some spinning elbows. Some guy was wobbled. Some chick was bloodied. It was a crazy submission. Someone's arm broke. Uh, Fight of the night, slobber knocker. Ah, I'm a fan. And the UFC knows it. And that's why it's tough to say, give a shitload of money to the younger fighters. That doesn't happen in boxing. A media member recently reminded me of that. A lot of boxing guys will fight for a thousand and a thousand. They'll box for a thousand and a thousand. And they've trained just as much as the boxing guys over the years, this, that, whatever. But in the UFC, they're making 12 and 12. And then you got the middle class, which makes like 80 and 80, we'll say. And it's because they've kind of put their time in and they have a little bit of value. But it's those big stars, you know, at the top that perhaps maybe they could be even getting more. Um, granted, the rich would get richer. But when we want to even out and get 50-50, you know, a 50-50 revenue split, and there's still 30% to go because allegedly the UFC pays out about 20% of their revenue to the fighters, um, who would get that additional 30%? The middle class, lower class, everybody gets a little bit, you know, I don't know. Because as we've also said on the flip side, on the other end, they don't need anybody. That mm-hmm. sounds so cold. But Habib retired, Cowboy retired. Uh, I'm just gonna throw Corey a bunch of names: Herrick, Corey, Bisping. Um, did I say Felice? Felice, just a guy. You know, um, uh, Henry Cejudo a few years ago. Like they, we, we thought Robbie Lawler might leave. <laughs> Matt Brown did at one time. Chris Curtis did at one. It, 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 ah, bon voyage, they say. Thank you for the memories. Uh, nice knowing you, but they know that someone's about to blow up and, and possibly take your place. I don't know if they do it at as fast as pace 
as they did in the past, but they don't. Yeah. I don't feel, I feel like finally they're getting to a point where they're losing more than they're putting out. And, um, but the UFC is still the UFC. It's still those three letters. It still is. It still is. But really, if you look at, uh, I bet you they're not happy with a bunch of their champions. Possibly. And then to top it off, those champions um, are more business savvy. And so that that's, you know, they're right. dealing with the UFC and trying to get a little bit more what's theirs. And the UFC is just kind of used to pushing people around a little. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're getting into some deeper conversations. But here's another one. Here's another interesting story. Darren Till apparently got hurt again. He's the guy that had to withdraw from his fight at UFC Fight Night 208 against Jack Hermanson. Uh, the fight card that's coming up in London here next weekend, not this weekend. Chris Curtis steps in. He's fighting Jack Hermanson. But he was talking about, man, how frustrated he was, how depressed he was. Here's a quote from him. Uh, it's just so frustrating at this point in my career. I'm happy for the way English MMA is going to see all these up-and-comers. Tom, as in Aspinall. Patty, as in Pimlet. Mohammed, as in Mokayev. All these guys, I'm so happy to see them in the position they're in. But I'm so fucking, fr- but it's so fucking frustrating for me at the same time because I know my potential. I'm not downing anyone, but I'm the fucking best out there, and I know that is such a depressed, fucking depressing time for me at the moment. Because listen, trolls don't bother me, but it's just these fucking comments and all these, even fighters. He says in this one, and they're like, "Oh, he pulled out," and I'm like, "Mate, come to the gym, and I'll fucking take you out." It's just so frustrating for me right now. It really is. I'm at a fucking low point. So in this one, he looped fighters in with the trolls. Um, he did. Well, he was honest enough to say, "Hey, look, I'm also uh, a beast, you know, on um, social media." He likes to. He says, "Don't get me wrong. I fucking love giving it back to the cunts," and he does. He'll give it to to people, but that's what people want to do is they want to engage with you too. And what really pissed him off goes is some people calling for maybe an early retirement because he he's just hurt, hurt so much. So I don't know. What, what did you think of all that? I mean, like you look at a guy like Zabit, right? Nobody expected that to happen. Darren Till, it's just, I get it. He puts in all this time, right? And then he gets hurt and he can't get through with the fight. This sport, you got to build momentum. We just talked to Lorenz Larkin yesterday and he talked about that being the biggest change in his life is just, being able to fight consistently and what that does for you physically and mentally for Darren Till. Yeah, man, it's gotta be earth shattering every time that happened. I mean, it's happened to him a bunch of times and you have to recover from these injuries and not everybody says that they come back a hundred percent, you know? So I understand where he's coming from. Um, but yeah, that was the first thing I thought was, well, you can't get too mad because you kind of take it to people too. Yeah. You know, one solution is just stay off social media. I, I guarantee you most of this is social media and not as much as the fan interaction that I brought up as examples earlier, like a fight expo or uh, an event where you run into fans. It's probably mostly social media most of the time. And honestly, I, really, I think if it's reaching to the point where you admit to the world that you're depressed, you may just want to take a break from it. Start with that. Take a break. Can you take three months away from social media? And then if you realize you don't need it as much, then just, or maybe that's actually the therapy that you need. And then you realize, eh, okay, it's not as big of a deal. But what if you realize you just don't need it at all? And then boom, you're, you're back to giving yourself a, a better, 
mental health state being, you know, uh, that maybe that's one thing I would advise fighters. Yeah, it could be. Yeah. All right. Um, so this weekend we got Ortega versus Rodriguez and I'm hearing it and I'm hearing it and starting to make me mad, but it could be at least Yair Rodriguez said he's been told if he wins, he gets a shot against Alexander Volkanovsky. Uh, we know Ortega wants to get back in there. He's had two title shots. My man, Josh Emmett, I think <laughs> there's a possibility he might get squeezed out if Yair's right. Uh, that would be disappointing to me. Um, now if Yair does something special. Let's say he just completely ices Brian Ortega. He gets a stoppage, has an awesome call out. Even with that being a one fight win streak, because he lost his last fight, can the UFC look us in the eye and go, "Yep, that's what we're going with"? Or with uh, no. Yair Rodriguez, the popular Mexi uh, Mexicano versus Alexander Volkanovsky. We got to do it, guys. Come on, don't give a shit. We got to do it, man. He's got a whole country behind him. You can't do it. I mean, it's it's just oh, it's so ugly, so ugly. If you did that, and and the message that you're sending the rest of your roster, it, it's fucking horrible. Josh Emmett what deserves. Go, what if they go? But it's a business decision. I say, like, we can sell seven hundred thousand with you here, kind of guaranteed, and with Josh, we're just gonna get that minimum five, and so that's a lot of money. Like, that's a business decision. And if they can back it up with that, what would you tell them? Well, then you're WWE. Quit calling yourself UFC. No, don't call yourself a sport. Then, don't be on ESPN because you're not acting like the sports. Mm -hmm. There has to be some truth to that. There has to be truth to the fact that sports are determined by either actual leagues or divisions, with a cutoff of who plays on in the postseason or whatever you want to call it playoffs mm -hmm. there has to be a balance between that and the entertainment aspect uh which is tied into business selling tickets and you're right i think once the ufc reached these highs of reebok uh and now and now venom fox followed by espn and probably a lot of other stuff, you know, tons of blue chip sponsors. They they now have to um they now have to stand by, I guess, the purity of the sport and maybe make it less about business. You know what I mean? Because you can hear point, if you're gonna tell me it's a business decision every time, then I'm gonna say, Well, then you might as well fucking wheel out McGregor. Masvidal, Joanna, you know, the same people over and over and just hide behind, well, it's a business decision. Diaz, mm -hmm. it's a business decision. Usman against Diaz. Why? Because it's a business decision. We're a business. Oh, okay. You know, and we'll just stop asking these questions. Just keep rolling out the same superstars and it'll be up to everyone else to somehow become a superstar. Um, but I, and I think it's got to be a balance between the two, you know, like, your athletic performance, along with yes, what you can sell, and Josh Emmett may come up a little bit short in the pay per view column, but damn, has he earned it? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, but who's maybe Yair was just talking shit or trolling? Who knows, huh? Who's to say it's got a headline though? They have fight cards where they put three champs up there. You know, you don't have to fall back on Volkanovski versus Emmett as your headliner. Just make it, make it the co-main or something. You know, like 
every once in a while, you got to bite the bullet. This is just one of those where you got to bite the bullet. I would agree. Tate, Misha Tate. If she beats Lauren Murphy and looks good, it's going to be hard for the UFC to not do Tate versus Valentina. Now, I kind of was retweeting some stuff that we discussed on Spinning Backlick, which was kind of the point we all made. Talia Santos does have an injury. A lot of people were calling for the rematch because Valentina hadn't been tested like that in a while, and so a lot of people wanted to see the rematch. Um, but Santos has that injury, and maybe if Tate's ready to go sooner rather than later, the UFC always willing to book a, t- a champion. Tate may get lucky, and she may go in. Does she need to finish and impress in any way goes, or can she just show up and go, ah, Misha? She just has to have her hand held at the end, at the end of the fight. That's it. Mm-hmm. Um, this is one of those business decisions where you look at it and you go, well, Misha Tate is getting older. We cannot risk giving her another fight and having her lose and miss out on the opportunity to put this fight together. A former champion against the current champion. Um, there's a lot of things you could sell. You know what I mean? With, with Misha Tate. Now, granted, it's a championship in a different weight class, but she's still a champ. And uh, I wouldn't risk that. So, yeah, definitely. You, you match those two up because the Santos fight will always be there. And why can't somebody go, well, yeah, but we can't risk losing Yair Rodriguez because he's born in Mexico and Mexico is a huge market for the UFC. The same way you she don't want to risk Tate's age, they don't want to miss out on this huge opportunity, this, this territorial you know, beast possibly. Because Misha's career and Yair's career are completely different. What they've been able to accomplish to this point. Got it. Some of her, so her stuff, a lot of her good stuff, her credentials are are in the bank. Yeah, you know, not to mention, like, I don't know if you've noticed, but Yair doesn't always make it to the dance. Like, if that's my main event, if I'm a matchmaker, I'm calling the therapist every day, making sure Yair's okay. You know, like, is he hundred percent? Like, that's kind of scary too to have all your your eggs in one basket. This is true. Uh, a couple more things here that kind of popped up jake paul and con mcgregor they had another little spat of course it's one of those twitter spats uh i guess you could say conor mcgregor started it um I, jake paul in my opinion had a, a great comeback he put a video out you know him he's all about the he's a youtube star so and boxer so he put, he put out a whole uh, video and kind of explained his side, backed it up with some pretty decent stats. McGregor, he kind of just went a little bit of the easier route. He kind of just insulted him. What did he call him? A nobody on, on Twitter? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, that stung Paul because he's got a huge, huge following. I think he's close to 50, 50 million followers on Instagram. So when he says something... You know, you're, when you're getting punked, you're getting punked in front of a lot of faces. But Jake Paul came back and said, hey, man. And Jake Paul's got $20 million on on Instagram. He's got a huge YouTube channel. His whole deal was like, hey, bro, after six fights in boxing, I think that's what he's had. I'm way ahead of where you were after your sixth fight in in MMA. And so I, I'm doing pretty well financially. I'm undefeated. I've been winning in these last few years while you haven't. You kind of had a, some pretty nice jazz back. 
Yeah, he did as much as he could do with what with the hand he was dealt. Conor McGregor's got to be careful. See, Conor, right off the bat, I thought that was a 10-8 round. When you, when you put things in that perspective, he's right. It just depends on how you want to look at this, right? If you just want to sit back with some popcorn and laugh, Jake Paul will probably eventually win this. But at the end of the day, if you really want to break it down, like it's all about money. It's all about popularity, right? Everybody knows who Conor McGregor is. That dude's got tons of money and will continue to make tons of money. If Jake Paul gets knocked the fuck out, against uh, Razim Rockman Jr. I don't know that he commands as much money as he's been getting. We don't know what happens with that kid. Now, he's absolutely brilliant. I'm sure he'll figure something out. If I'm Conor McGregor, this just seems like, why poke this bear? I don't get it. Because one thing, Jake Paul, Jake Paul doesn't give a shit. That dude is going to pull every skeleton out of its closet. And I don't know if Connor wants that out in the world, right? I mean, he is yeah, crazy. Yeah, he was talking about uh, partying, you know, the drugs, being uh, unfaithful mm-hmm. to his significant other. He, like, yeah, he, he really fucking got that Donkey Kong mallet out, hammer, whatever it was, mm-hmm. and he came back, you know, over the top pretty damn strong. And I do want to commend him on Rockman Jr. That's a credible boxing matchup at this point. I don't think none of us can bitch anymore that he hasn't beaten a boxer at this point. He will have been fighting a boxer, a decent boxer. And if he wins, you got to really, really tip your hat. Yeah, no. Yeah, definitely. If he wins. That's a, that's a good win. It's a solid win. There's risk. Hell, there was even risk with Tyron Woodley. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, Tyron Woodley was a UFC champion. He knocked a lot of people up. So I was surprised that he even took that fight. Like Ben Askren, that made sense to me. Okay. That's a champion, but he's not known for his striking. Uh, but to turn around and do that twice and then and completely knock out um, Tyron Woodley the way he did, yeah, this kid deserves a lot of props. But uh, but this type of win will more cement him as being a quality athlete. Yeah. It all started with Jake Paul saying he, a fight with McGregor has to happen. Then he made predictions that they could each make like $75, 100000000 million and – and that's when McGregor said, your, your two fights have done 70,000K buys. You're a flop kid, a nobody. And that's why I think the other guy got pissed off. But he also said, again, hey, I'm headlining Madison Square Garden, you know, in a few weeks here. Again, six fights into your career. There, there wasn't many people in your audience. So I think I'm ahead of the curb. And that's where I thought, hey, you're kind of making some decent points here. You know what I mean? Because I, I like you, like you thought. I thought I thought Conor McGregor really really thumped him pretty good with those tweets. Yeah, no, he, Jake Paul's an intelligent guy, man. Yeah, he's a goofball. He does funny things, um, but he is very intelligent. Not just uh, street savvy, but uh, I think business wise as well. Yeah, I agree. Do Do you give him a shot against Rockman Junior? Yeah, a shot I do. Yeah, but I, I, he should lose that fight. Yeah, well, I'm not. I I've gone against them every single time because I'm always Team MMA. That I'm kind of scared uh, of just being that guy that is. Now I'm a hater. Who knows what I am? Um, mm-hmm. and it looks like he does put time into his craft. 
like with top trainers or whatever. So it's not like he's just kind of winging it. But you know, who knows? I, I mean, maybe I'll just back Jake Paul on this one. I don't even know. Um, but I do want to tell you this: UFC on ABC with Ortega and Rodriguez. The favorites are Ortega over Yaya Rodriguez, and that can be anywhere from. 165 to 175, 180 neighborhood. Of course, typical odds are what we use. So, uh, you know, that's what we'll endorse when we do our watch-alongs. The comeback on Yara Rodriguez is about plus 140, 145. Is Ortega a, a – is is that a, um honest line there, minus 165 to 170? Is that a good range, or is Rodriguez a playable dog? I think Rodriguez is a playable dog because the fight starts off on the feet, right? Now, Ortega's striking isn't horrific, but Yair's is a lot better. It's just whether or not Brian Ortega is going to be able to get a hold of him. And I think at some point he will. So, I mean, don't don't forget, too, like, you know, that, that spinning or whatever you want to call it, that elbow, upward elbow that he threw that one time, that saved his ass. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's a very, very close fight. But if you want to bet an underdog, I wouldn't blame you betting Yari Rodriguez. What about Lauren Murphy against Misha Tate? Misha Tate's minus 200. Lauren Murphy's about plus 170. I think it's a little too much. Uh, this is new territory for Misha Tate. Misha Tate's getting up there in age and wear and tear. Lauren Murphy's a tough out. Uh, I think that line's a little too big. Okay. Well, UFC on ABC3 this Saturday. Check it out. We got the whole fight card kind of covered from top to bottom on MMA Junkie. So we caught up with a lot of fighters uh, that'll be, you know, competing on Saturday. Check it out. And I do want to say a couple things on the way out here. Dana White giving 250 grand to that Nelk boy, Kyle Forgard or whatever his name is, Forgard. Forger, mm-hmm. Forgered. That was a two hundred fifty thousand dollars cash birthday gift. What did you think of that? I'm sure we don't know all the details, but what details could there possibly give? Could possibly be that you would give somebody two hundred fifty thousand dollars for their birthday and and do it publicly. Man, I'm thinking like even if I'm a millionaire, even if I won the lottery or whatever, that is a lot, a lot of money, dude, to give a person. He had to have known when he did it that people were going to react the way they they are. You're right. There's always more to stories. But in this particular, Dana just seems to kind of like that Hollywood spotlight to be a big baller. Mm -hmm. And I think that's maybe what that is about. But that just seems like a lot of like there's there's got to be another story somewhere within there. They made some kind of bed or something stupid that's going to come out later because that just seems like such a large amount of money. Like, I don't care how much you have. You still have a family, right? At some point, aren't they going to go, what the fuck? You gave me right. a car or something like, like, I'm your son or I don't know, dude. That That's just not probably not a very good look at all. Yeah, I mean, are they that tight? Like, I know he's good friends with Marty Cordova. And Skip Raquel and 
probably Elliot, his camera guy, and he probably gets close to his security guys. Does he give them 250 grand? Like, is this maybe like the norm or just and this is probably a guy these Nelk boys probably do well. I mean, I don't even know that he that he really needs it. Supposedly they gave him a pretty cool gift um not too long ago. And so maybe he just wanted to top it. I, but that that just seems so out of the the realm of uh normal. Like tell you the truth, I was like <laughs> I was kind of mad. I was like, why the fuck would you do that? Like, mm -hmm. I, I again, man, give me, give me a billion dollars right now. Some some chic listens to our show and goes, you know what? I got fifty billion. I'm already spreading it out to all my family and and um, charity, and I'm a fan of this guy's show. So I'm gonna shock the world and wire him a billion dollars. I'm in on that. Any chic that wants to do that. I'm down. Okay. So let's say they do. And tomorrow you wake up, you have a billion dollars in your account. Mm -hmm. Is Do you have a family member or a friend that you, and I won't even say love enough, but just think, think that way of, of them where you would just go grab 250 grand and give it to them in cash? Like, I might do it in another way where like house or something like yeah, that yeah like hey listen we've been friends for a long time and you know we're like brothers or you're like family and I, I don't know what i can do with all this money um but i i, I want to pay off your mortgage and, and and you don't do that publicly you just do it for them so it could even be more than two hundred fifty thousand, right you know but i don't know that you buy them the house and you stand next to the for sale sign and all that you just kind of do it and then you, you you might even tell them don't tell anyone. You, you know why you tell them that? So so other people don't start asking you to do that for them, right? But there's just so many levels on why this gift was fucking uh, dumb, in my opinion. At least my warped brain, you know. I I, I just I, I don't know, girls. It, it just drives me nuts. I'm I I find myself to be sort of an expert on this, George. Because I don't think there's a day that goes by that I don't think even for five minutes what I would do if I was a billionaire. So I've had a lot of time to think about this. And I wouldn't buy my friend a house or my family member. Because there's that slight chance, especially with some of our friends and family members, that they are going to turn around and sell it. Or their stupid wife or stupid husband is going to turn around and do something. They're going to do something dumb and they're going to end up with the house. So right. my fallback for all that has always been, what if I just build like a little community with a bunch of houses? Go ahead, move in rent free. My gift to you. You never have to pay rent. But one day if you're out of line, you're gone. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Okay, but there is someone out there that exists that you would pay off their mortgage, right? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, but I understand what you're saying. Yeah, for sure. There's a lot of people that are married to Muppets that we know. Mm -hmm. Where you're like, oh, God, imagine if they wind up with it. Um, but I, I literally sat there. When Do you remember when Tommy from Goodfellas 
was giving Spider shit for having the foot wrapped up and because because he had shot him in the foot. Then Spider had this big old wrapping around his foot and he was limping and he goes, ah, Spider wasn't that bad. The bandage is almost the size of your head or whatever. And so Spider had had enough and he goes, why don't you go fuck yourself, Tommy? And then the whole all the other gangsters at the table go, oh, you're going to take that from him. Do you remember Tommy's look like he was like, like with his mouth open like, what the fuck? I, I already shot this guy. And he's insulting me. Like, who does he think he is? That I had that look after reading that story for about half an hour. I, I literally kept just refreshing it, reading it over, and then just wrapping my mind around why he would have done that. Why he would have given one of the Nelk boys $250,000 in cash. Like, I just don't get it, man. I don't yeah. get it. I don't know. You know that that scene you're talking about? Uh-huh. The best part of it is after he shoots him and he says, uh, well, what do you want from me? I'm a good shot. If you listen closely, you can hear the other guy go, how could you miss at this distance? How could you miss from that distance? And then he goes, well, we got a problem. He goes, do we have a problem too? And I forget who that one was that said it. Um, <laughs> how could, yeah, you, miss how could you miss from that distance? Oh man, that is a funny scene. And to think that the other day I found out someone hadn't even seen Goodfellas. Was it Simon Head? Oh yeah. No Sopranos. No, no, no Goodfellas. Oh man. That was highly, highly disappointing. What about this whole Jerry Prashaska and uh Jan Blahovich deal? So Yuri Prashaska wants to give Glover to share a rematch, right? And I guess Blahovich is kind of pissed off because he's, you know, he felt like there was maybe, you know, a set of rules or whatever uh, to all this and that he wasn't behaving like, um, what do you call him? Samurai, yeah. Samurai. Yeah. Um, Look, what a conversation they had when Yuri Prashaska won. Who knows if Prashaska even remembers it, man. He had just been in a war, you know what I mean? Now, maybe they spoke afterwards and they, he gave him some sort of a guarantee or what? I, I, what'd you think of all that? All right. I kind of enjoyed it, to be honest with you. I liked the way it played out. It, it, it reminded me of like WWE when when the Macho Man, remember when he was like trying to pick a manager or whatever, and everybody's just waiting in the room. I thought it was kind of funny. I liked the fact that he shaved his head and all that. Um, I don't mind his choice. Honestly, I... I Again, I think the UFC is going to be down with it because Glover's kind of high in age as well. Who knows if you'll you'll be able to do that again? So I kind of like the way it ended. I understand why Blahovich is upset, but you just got to roll with that. There's nothing you could do. Move on. <laughs> he broke the samurai code. Um, that was a hail mary. Yeah. Huh? You're, you're, that was a Hail Mary, and you're hoping he goes, man, you know what? He's right. And he changes his mind, but... Jan, for me, is the biggest challenge. Your words, he's telling Yuri Prashaska, respect you, champ, but the samurai car code was not upheld. Um, You think Yuri just read that and went, okay? He <laughs> like... Yeah. I, I think will try not to that. do that again. I mean, I think he probably filed that under, like, who gives a fuck, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, that that's like a whole other 
group of people that might you know even be all about this code i don't know um it was kind of a hail mary i was trying to think of the best way to attack that story and what it was all about but all right um i want to give a shout out to aaron from texas he sent me a text today he's a longtime listener of the show he's called the show he even got married at a junkie gathering sweet sweet kid right and I get a text from him today. Hey, brother. So I told him, hi. He wrote, I got the UFC in two weeks. I wrote, nice. But I'm thinking he's going to UFC 277 that's taking place in Dallas, Texas with Pena versus Nunez 2, Marino versus Kaikar France for the interim. So I'm thinking he scored a ticket and he's going to it, right? Because honestly, I hadn't seen Aaron refing or judging in the last few years, to be honest, and I don't know that he that he has, or if he has, I didn't know much much of it. We haven't been a calling show for a while, so it's tough to keep track with some of these junkies. I was shocked the other day when when uh, Mike and Kendra told us their twins were five. We're still mm-hmm. thinking they're like two or three or whatever. Um. Anyway, so he writes, "Yes, sir. I appreciate your part you've played in the journey." And he goes, I just told Guz wouldn't be where I'm at if I hadn't stumbled upon your show 12 or so years ago. And then I go, holy shit, this guy's uh, refing. I've seen him ref, right? I know he's trained mm-hmm. for both. And uh, he clarified that he's judging at UFC 277. So we've seen him perform at LFA. Uh, I had never seen him perform anywhere else other than LFA and then the local shows. But now he's judging the UFC. That's so cool. It's tremendous. Congratulations, Aaron from Texas. Like that, that's that's probably the best news I heard all day. Yeah, I mean, we love seeing stories like this. Like even even some of our listeners that I remember being there when they said, Well, I think I'm gonna take up jujitsu and little by little you see their progression. You get happy every time they get a new belt or something. But this is something else, dude. This is like on a different level. And um to see him go through this and finally get that and and to know that, you know, if they're giving you that assignment, then maybe refing isn't that far away as well. I'm sure that that would be a dream come true. And that's a very hard work to get to that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some others I can think of is John Rico. I think I've seen him with a brown belt in jiu-jitsu. I remember him as a white. Rob Shaw, when he had just started with Muay Thai, now he's a black belt. Same gym, by the way over there at King's MMA in Huntington Beach. And then you got... And by the way, do Rob Shaw and John Rico know each other? I don't know. It's almost like two generations because Rob Shaw used to go to our house for UFCs when we used to live there, you know, Mm -hmm. up until about 2007. And then in 2007, when we started this other show is when John Rico, I guess, was a listener to the show. So I'm sure they do know each other, but I wonder if they both know that the other one was a part of junkie nation in some way or another. Um, then Armando Aguilar, he's a guy that we met through Apple. He's now a purple belt. Yeah. So I always cheer for him. There was a couple others. Oh, Juan Lee is a brown belt, right? Mm-hmm. Juan Lee's a brown belt. He was a white belt. Yeah, he, he was a no belt when he used to go to the house. I don't even think he was training back then. Yeah, so literally, yeah, literally we've seen him kind of, do all this during the time we did the show. 
So that's awesome. It really is happy for all these guys. But again, Aaron from Texas will be judging at UFC 277. And in nowhere did he tell me, don't tell anyone. <laughs> so hopefully I'm okay in, in revealing this. Uh, it's not like we all probably wouldn't have seen him. I mean, he's going to be on. Oh, no, this isn't the one on ABC. This is, uh, sorry, the, the UFC. Well, it's a big show either way, UFC 277 at the end of the month. But um, that's that's pretty cool, isn't it? Very cool. Super cool. Yeah. All right, folks. We're going to bounce on out of here. Uh, I think we covered some of the, the big stories out there. And maybe I wasn't as grumpy as I was going to be, or at least I thought I was going to be. But. These fighters, I'm telling you, they trip me out a little bit. I think they could make lives a lot easier on themselves if they just rolled with the punches. Figuratively, literally, however you want to call it, and just make life easier for yourself, man. Don't cons- It's always being consumed by that one troll. Find the one positive comment that kind of lifted you. Focus on that. Just scroll past the, the loser, I guess. And by the way, goes, I got to go into the YouTube section and MMA Junkie section for the best comment. Maybe you can help me on YouTube. The best comment on YouTube for spinning back click or on MMA Junkie will get a Brian Ortega bobblehead. And they got until Friday at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific. So about another two days. I don't even know what I'm looking for. I guess it's just a good take from a fan. It doesn't have to be, GG, you're a god. I bow to you every day. No, I'm not looking for that. I'm looking for a solid take. Hopefully, then the five topics that we discussed, like, I don't think I want to hear Fedor should be in a Hall of Fame. I mean, well, yeah, that's a great point. But uh, the spinning back wasn't about Fedor this week. So probably that's what I'm leaning for is just something like that. But um, it's courtesy of MMA Bobblehead. So thank you to Dave from MMA Bobblehead. A Brian Ortega bobblehead. It's going to have to be a USA, uh, someone who lives in the USA that we can ship to. But uh, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, that is very cool of them to do. Mm-hmm. With that, we're going to leave you. We will be back on Monday with another MMA Junkie Radio show for you. We'll be recapping UFC on ABC3. Hopefully, there'll be some interesting storylines with uh, what we're going to do with the winners, what we're going to do with the people that lost their bouts, and New stars, were some new stars made? Uh, did someone retire? I don't know. This sport really, really keeps us on our toes. Uh, but really, it really, really is a great sport. So yeah, tell your friends about our website, MMAJunkie.com. We got a free app for all your smartphones. And then, of course, on Instagram, find us there. Over 1.1 million followers. YouTube, 265,000 followers. That one's YouTube.com forward slash MMA Junkie video. Uh, Instagram is at MMA Junkie. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, all that stuff. We're everywhere. And so however it is that you consume your news, we're there for you. Folks, enjoy your evenings. Enjoy your weekend. Go out there and be a champion. Talk to you soon.